Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. you could say like the words of that song, Lord, I need you, you are in the right place. Amen? Oh, you know, this week, uh, starting a two-week series and um, on starting over, and, and Brother Lee, I, if a guy can't preach after that, uh, he might be in the wrong job. Yeah. Uh, oh, my goodness. Amen. Amen. Well... Here we are, Sunday morning, Southern Illinois. Surprise, surprise, it's 40 degrees outside. I saw people coming in with winter coats that I didn't think I'd see until November or December. But you know what? The, the presence of the Lord is here. If you come today needing something, our Savior's here, and He's ready for you. And he's ready to deliver. So the series that I'm teaching uh, is called Start Over. This week it's Life Beyond Regret. You know, the truth is that all of us at some point or another in our life, we've made decisions that have caused us to feel regret. To wish that we hadn't have done that. And there's many times where we try to overcome that and we use um, many different things. Some of them are drugs, some of them are alcohol, some of them are uh, relationships. But I'm here to tell you that the only way for us to truly overcome our regrets is through Jesus. And, And until we acknowledge that and until you reach that point, you will continue to fill that emptiness that that regret brings into your life. If you would, open up your Bibles to the book of Luke and the 15th chapter. And today I want to share with you the story about a tale of two brothers. Now Jesus himself shares this story, and I'm just going to read through it and what Jesus said, and then I want to kind of sift out some of the points that Jesus wanted us to understand. In Luke chapter 15, and, and starting in, I'll read in verse 11, it says this, and, and, and so Jesus is talking to a group of publicans, and that's normal people, that's tax collectors, that's bad guys, and then he's talking to a group of Pharisees. They're all in this group, and he's just shared with them two stories, and he's about to share a third story with them. And it starts off this in verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. In verse 12. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, forgive me. I'm sorry, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. 
Now, I don't know about you or how you were raised, but I mean, just 20 years ago, if a, a young man did that, he would be greeted differently than the way this father greeted him. But I can tell you that the men that were listening to Jesus tell this story, that the expected reaction of the father when the son came to him and asked for his share of the property is that he would beat him and run him out of town. But that's not what this father did. And the rest of that verse, it says, And he, the father, divided his property between them. Well, you know there's two brothers here in this story. And, and the way that things would happen is the older brother would get two-thirds of the property. And the younger brother would get one-third of the property. The older brother always got a double portion. Why? Because the older brother's responsibility was to take care of the family once the father had moved on. And so, in this case, this father, it wasn't just a matter of going to the bank and writing the check and giving it to his son. He had to sell his property. He sold one-third of his property, and then he took the proceeds from that, and he gave it to the younger son. In verse 13, And not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. Many of you probably recognize this story as the story of the prodigal son. And, and when you hear the word prodigal, that's exactly what it means. Reckless, riotous. You know, for many years I thought prodigal meant lost and he was coming back. No, prodigal is, is one who is living a life that is embarrassing. And that's exactly what this son did. And verse 14. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. And in 15, so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Now remember, who's the audience that he's talking to? He's talking to a Jewish audience. He's talking to a group of uh, tax collectors, and he's talking to a group of uh, religious men. And so when he tells them that this young son has already done the unthinkable, then he squanders what his father had given, and now he's selling himself out to feed the very thing that was the very opposite of what the Jewish people stood for. And here he is in the pig fields. In verse 16, And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. In verse 17, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. I don't know if you understand what he just said here, but what he, he didn't say that he was going to go back and be a slave. He said he was going to go back and be a hired servant, and he was going to pay his father back all of that money that he gave him for the third of the property that he sold off. Now, many times that happens today where we try to pay God back. It'll never work, will it? Verse 18, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. In verse 20, 
And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Now you're going to hear me say something over and over again. You've heard it for the last couple of months. You're going to hear it for many more months. There's no decision without action. You, you can't say that I've decided to fill in the blank and then don't do something about it. See, a decision doesn't just happen in the head. It happens in the feet too. It happens in the hand. It happens in the body. And this father had been looking for the son and he saw the son coming. And it said he was struck with compassion and he ran to him. This was another thing that these men knew that fathers of this level did not do. What happened is he'd have to grab his garments, pull them up above his knee and run. This is embarrassing. And here was this father doing this for the son who basically had spit in his face. For the son who had taken one third of his prestige. You don't think that people were talking about that father for years after the son had done that to him? And what a fool he was for to, allow, to, to A, sell the property and B, give the money to his son. And yet this father pulls up his garments and he runs and he embraces him and he kisses him. Verse 21, and the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. Oh, he was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. You see, when they had a celebration, when they, when they killed the fatted calf, it wasn't a family affair. It was a town affair. And so here they are, and this is a process you have to understand. that it, The father just getting to the son, having this conversation, calling the servants, getting the, the calf prepared, cooked, and then all of a sudden it's nighttime, the celebration is going on, the father is... Ex- Excited that his son has returned home safely. If this were a play, that was just act one. And now we enter into act two. In verse 25 it says, Now his older brother was in the field, and as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. Think about this. This is the older brother. This is the, the next to the father in, in the, the hierarchy of this family. He's to it, you know, he can't walk in and be surprised by anything. And so he calls one of his servants to come out and tell him what's going on. In verse 27, he said to him, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Verse 28. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you and never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Verse 30, But when when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Listen to what he called him. He didn't say when my brother got here. When this son of yours He doesn't even want to have anything to do with him. 
He's comparing the treatment that he thought he's been, been receiving for all these years. And he can't believe that this brother is getting this treatment. And the father said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this young brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. You know, the truth of the matter is just like these two brothers, we all have real regrets. Let me share with you just three categories of those real regrets that we have. The first one is this, that we have the regret of action. I promise you that the younger brother said, I wish I hadn't asked my dad for my inheritance. I wish I hadn't spent it all on riotous living. I wish I wouldn't have done those. I wish I wouldn't have ended up in the pig field. I wish I wouldn't have had to come back and beg my father to forgive me and to take me on as a hired servant. I promise you that that's what the younger brother would be saying. Maybe ours sounds a little different. We, we didn't take our inheritance. We didn't squander it. We didn't go to a far country. We didn't end up in a pig field. Maybe it was something as simple as I wish I hadn't quit going to church in college. Maybe it was I wish I hadn't given up on my child when they decided they didn't want to serve the Lord. Maybe it's I wish I hadn't, and you fill in the blank. But at the end of the day, the decision that you made, the action that you took, remember there's no decision without action. The action that you took took you further from the Lord. Maybe you're not that person. Maybe it's not something that you regret that you did. Maybe you're here today and what you are thinking about is the inaction that you've taken over the years. You see, the older brother... His responsibility was to keep the family together. I believe that the older brother had gone and checked on the younger brother. Then he, he seemed to know exactly what he had been doing. He said, how can you do this for your son who's been spending that money on prostitutes? I believe the older brother went to that far country. And I believe he went to bring him back. And when he saw what he was doing, he left him. In the far country. You know, maybe we've done something very similar. Maybe God has brought somebody in our life and and had us and, and, and touched our heart to reach out to them. And yet we saw what they were doing and we're like, you know what? I don't want to. I don't think that they deserve God's love. I don't think that they deserve to be forgiven. I don't think that they deserve any of that. And you know what? I'm just going to leave them in the pig pen. I'm going to leave them in the prostitute's house. I'm going to leave them where we see them. And years later, we're going to want them to come to church with us, and they're not going to have any desire to do that. And we're going to look back on all the inaction that we took. You know, it's very simple what we're to do as a church. We're to love God, and we're to love people. And the, the amazing thing is we have to love people right where they are. You know, it, the, there's nowhere in the Bible that you'll find where it says people are to get cleaned up, get, and then come to church. This is the hospital. This is the ER. This is the trauma center. This is where we need the people that are hurting to come. Because, you know, they're not going to hear this on Monday morning. They're not going to hear this on Tuesday night. 
They're not going to hear this when they're at the bingo shop. They're not going to hear it when they're going out to eat with their friends, most likely. How many people have we left in the muck and the mire because they weren't up to our standard? If you read the, the, the entire book of Luke, you'll see that there, the first story was about the lost sheep. And the shepherd went to go get that lost sheep. There was a hundred, and one was gone, and the shepherd went to go get that one. And the other one was a, a woman with ten coins, and she lost one. And, and it says she lit up the oil, and she looked and cleaned the entire house to find that. But when you look at this story, who went after the brother? Nobody. The reason why Jesus shared these, think about this, his audience. He's got a religious group, and that's why he talked about the sheep. Because they can understand it. Yes, I'd go get the sheep. And then he's talking to a bunch of tax collectors. Oh, yeah, I'd go after that extra $100. And now he's talking to them both when he talks about the brother. Because both of them are represented, one by the younger and one by the older brother. So if it's not action that we've taken that we regret, if it's not an action that we take that we regret, it's a reaction. Do you think that this older brother regretted after he responded the way he did when the father was loving on his younger brother? The answer to that question is, have you ever regretted leaving somebody and then watching that God brought somebody else into their life to restore them when he had called you to do that? Here's the reality, that no matter what action you took and where it took you, no matter what inaction you didn't take and where you left people, and no matter how you responded, the Lord is here to tell you that while Satan can steal the joy of your salvation, he cannot steal your salvation. You know, I, th- I think it's funny, especially around Easter time, you'll hear this where people talk about how that they don't want to come to church because they're afraid that the roof will cave in. Oh, they don't know our God. They don't understand. They don't understand that he destroyed a church so that they could come to church. That he destroyed the temple, tore it in half, brought it to its gra- the ground almost so that they could come to church on Easter and every other Sunday of the year. That's the Savior that we serve. And so here's what I would like to show you in this story is that there's an enemy strategy and a father's strategy. And here's the enemy strategies. Number one is he's going to try to divide us. He wants to convince you or he wants to separate you from the people in your life that are going to help you. Now, what's interesting is the, Jew, the Jewish term for this is kezaza. Everyone say that with me, kezaza. What that means is to cut off. That's what the father should have done. He should have ran him out with a rod and said, you're no longer part of this family. How dare you even ask for your inheritance? That's what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to cut the people off in our life who aren't living up to our standard of faith. And yet the very Father who saved us 
from so much sin has saved them as well. Now, see, we don't run people out of town with a, a staff, and, and we don't you know, tell them, you're dead to me. Uh, instead, we just unfriend them on Facebook. That's, that's our equivalent to Kezaza today. Well, the enemy not only wants to divide, but he also wants to bring pride into your life. And see, what pride does, it, it makes you separate yourself from the very people who are here to help you. If you read in verse 12, it says that the younger brother, where did he go? Into a far country. And if you look in verse 29, it says that the older brother refused to go in. See, see, both of them were in the same situation. Both of them were in the same circumstance. One went went knowingly and the other kept himself back from the father's house. And if the enemy doesn't divide you and he doesn't get your family to disown you and he doesn't get Christians to uh, cast you out of the church or wherever, he's going to get you to fill yourself up with pride and to withdraw yourself and say, you know what, I'll tell you what, I don't need them. And the reality is this, that God made us for community. God made us to be able to live life with a family. And that's why the enemy wants to separate us and wants to get us apart from each other. So if he can't do those two things, what he's going to do is he's going to discourage you. And when the enemy discourages you, what he tells you is that there's nobody that wants to help you. There's nobody there for you. And what that does is it leaves a big vacuum. And when we are far from God, we will feel like that we're in that vacuum. We're missing that. What? Oh, I don't, I can't understand. I can't tell you what it is. We know what it is. But there's people all across the greater Centralia area right now today that are having a very empty feeling in their heart. And they don't know what it is. You see... If you look at these two brothers, they chose two different ways to be their own savior, to be in control of their life. The younger brother decided to do it his own way. The younger brother decided that he was going to uh, live a riotous life. He was going to live in sin. Today we call it self-discovery. The older brother, he chose to do it his own way too by doing good. We call these religious people. We call this moral conformity. But I'm here to tell you something about both of these brothers. Both of them wanted what the father had, but neither of them wanted the father. They wanted the property. They wanted the prestige, but they didn't want the love that the father had for them. And both of them played into the hand of the enemy. And I'm here to tell you, when the son was in the far country and the other brother was, the older brother was just outside of the house refusing to come in, they were both far from home. But see, that's the enemy strategy. And I don't work for the enemy and we don't, we're not here for the enemy. You just need to be aware of it. Let me share with you the father's strategy. And it's very simple. Number one is that we have to accept the love of the father. Did you notice that the father went out to both of the brothers? One, he picks up his garment and he runs. And the other, do you think that the father would go out and beg the older brother, please come in, you don't understand. Normally what would happen is he would get word to him, hey, meet me out back, I'm going to have a word with you. 
you don't understand what's going on. I'm the, the father. This is what's going to be done. No, that's not what the father did. He went out and he lavished love on both of these brothers. And so each of the brothers had a choice. And that was to repent for their sins or to repent for the reasons that they were doing good. The younger brother figured it out very quickly. And what did he say? I'm a sinner. Before God and everyone else, I've sinned against you. Listen to me, folks. Let the Holy Spirit convince people of that. Your sons, your daughters, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, your brothers, your sisters, your moms, your dads, they don't need you to tell them how bad a sinner they are. Because the Holy Spirit has been doing that 24-7, nonstop. Allow the Holy Spirit to do His job and you do your job, which is to love them. And if you've never accepted the love of the Father, today is the day that you should accept it. Because here's the third piece of the puzzle, and that is that we need to be moved by what it costs to bring us home. Because here's the reality. The, the, there is a true older brother, and his name is Jesus Christ. And this true old bro- older brother left his home, and he went to a far country. He was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect, sinless life, something none of us could do. He was ridiculed, he was mocked, he was beat, he was spit on for us, for our sins, for our riotous living, for our righteous living. That's what the true brother did. He did what the brother was supposed to do. And here's what your true brother is saying. Come home. Today, come home. Don't wait till next week. Don't wait till next month. Don't wait until you get this all figured out. Come home. Take action today. You know, your heavenly father wants to say exactly what the father in this parable said. And that was in verse 24. For this my son or my daughter was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. You know, our Father wants to celebrate, wants to celebrate you. He wants to celebrate that you've come home. But the question is, can you accept his love? You know, a lot of people are just convinced that's, just, that's too easy. No, it wasn't easy. It's simple. But it wasn't easy. Because at the very moment that the older brother, Jesus, took on our sins so that one day we could not be a sinner and be sinless, the father turned his back on him. The father turned his back on the the true older brother so that us younger brothers and sisters could one day accept the love of Christ. Join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you've, your message has been spoken. The ears that you needed to hear it are here today, Lord. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would just continue. 
If you came here today and you, feel, you understand you are that younger brother, that you have lived a life that's embarrassing, I'm here to tell you that there's a father that has already ran to meet you. There's an older brother who's done everything for you, and all you have to do is accept that. In a few moments, we'll go and, and start singing. I'll be up here at the front. I'd love to share with you. Maybe you recognize and you identify with the older brother and where that you have been trying to live a good life. You've tried to obey all the rules. You've tried to do all the right things for the right reasons. But at the end of the day, you're struggling because you've never, ever accepted what Jesus did. You're still trying to do it on your own. You know, in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, addresses that for us and it tells us. That for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And as long as we try to do something ourselves, we're going to fail miserably. And one day, when Jesus returns, or you pass on to the next life, you're going to find out that it's too late. Do not let pride keep you from taking that step. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.